Hey Sheilas, Bron here. This week's episode of Good Sheilas is proudly brought to you by the lady startup Sisu. Sisu, spelt S-I-S-U, is a brand new gym in Brisbane that focuses on improving your fitness, your general well-being, and with a fully qualified physio on staff, they can help you get rid of those bastard injuries. Owners Agatha and Alex are 10 out of 10 legends who are contagiously positive, and coming from me, that's a big deal. If you mongrels are in Brisbane, check out Sisu Gym in Windsor, where you can get fitter, stronger, and spend some time laughing at me rolling around on the ground. Fun fact about Claire. Claire got sick of explaining to her young daughter Stevie why vandalism was everywhere and who did it. So she just said it was all done by a man called Kevin. (laughs) Now Stevie yells Kevin's name every time she sees any form of street art, any tag, anything that's not like a letterbox. And I cannot wait for the day that she meets a man called Kevin and she just is like, calls the police. It's like, you're a very bad man. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm a mother. How am I not? Neither does Kevin. Welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. All of us makes all of us. How are you? All of us tick. I'm oh Bron. I'm <laughs> Bron. I'm Bron. A Brisbane comedian, Claire. Okay. Oh, cannot, cannot. And I am Claire, a Melbourne human rights lawyer. And we're longtime friends, short time mums, and lifetime dickheads. Each episode, we tackle something in the media as well as something that has kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for good shielders. Hello, mate. Welcome to 2021 and welcome to season two. Season two. And it's a very, very sensible number to round season one up with. What is this episode, Claire? It's episode 35 and we decided that season one was 34 episodes because we're 34. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, a, I, the more I reflect on it, it's like a six-year-old. You know how obsessed they yeah. are with their age? Everything it's must us. be six. Yeah, exactly. Everything's 34. I must live in the number 34. I must have 34 children. Me, me, me. (laughs) 2021 is the year of me. (laughs) It's actually 2034 this year, so get on board. And how are you? Yes, here I am. Um, Look, mate, this this has been a weird few weeks. Had some lovely Christmassy festive moments. Like, uh, just barely escaped um, having to quarantine for two weeks in New South Wales because everything went to shit again. Um, And now we've got COVID back in Victoria. What are the um, cases today? um, Look, there's only been a handful, but and they're all linked to a known known outbreak. But you know, like this is just. It is, and it isn't because it's fine. <laughs> you it's know, so fine. It's so I'm like I was, I'm seething. Like I'm I'm in Brisbane now, but I'm and I'm looking and for some reason Queensland. I don't know if just no one gets tested, but it's it's almost like coronavirus doesn't exist. It's never is like it's only mentions of it in different states. It's never like anything to do with um, in Brisbane. Every, there's no like masks. There's no 
no one seems nervous about it or every like really? everywhere's busy yeah like there's busy things everywhere like loads of people in a room at, at the same time it's really really fascinating to see that this state seems completely unscathed and I'm sure there was a stage where people were nervous and some people mentioned up here oh when we were in lockdown which makes me so angry when they wait they were in lockdown I think that that there was something I think they had a couple of I don't know a little while with remote learning and I think there might have been some form of lockdown but it wasn't stage four it wasn't us no 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 yeah Kmart remained well and truly open. Um, people could still, I think people could still see family members. Like, but We only could have 10 people in our houses. <laughs> I know. And at the time, like when we were that first started in Victoria, and we're like, oh, my God, we're only allowed five people over. Yeah. Holy shit. And we felt like that was, we felt like that was hard because it yeah. was, it did, like our life was affected by it. So, like, usually I like 34 people over. And <laughs> And I was like, what the hell? And then, and then, so I guess what what their version of lockdown is that was hard for them. But as a Victorian, hearing anything about it, oh my god, makes me so mad. Yeah, I'm like, eat my shit, dick, fuckweed. That's exactly what I say. It goes down really well. They don't get it and they'll never get it. And I guess maybe I have this insight into like what what, what my, you know, like what people who went through World War II experienced. It's exactly what you've got. This is is exactly what. Trench (laughs) foot. disgusting you should see to that uh it is but you're right though and like it's really hard to hear it's really uh, i don't know like it, it's uh, the thing that i can relate it to it's like you know when you have and you would have had this as well claire so you know when we had babies and our parents our parents went around to help or we didn't have aunties around or yeah a family, around, yeah, yeah, yeah and then you ha- then we had you know friends who had lots of help from their really really hands-on um like mothers and fathers yeah. who just came like swooped in or brought them coffees or um like you know knew how to get the babies to sleep knew what they could and couldn't do mm-hmm. knew und- understood the rules because they were present if somebody was around i wouldn't have fed steve so many doritos when she was a newborn or to like chew them in my mouth and spit them into hers like like alicia silverstone so yeah that's why she's not around anymore she was clueless but it was <laughs> so she but but it's listening to like the, the par- parents who are going through you know still having a newborn but they've got all of this help yeah. And they still get to ha- have a sleep every now and then. And listening to that when you did not have any of that help. I know. And they're like, oh, it's so hard. And, and like, just can't eat my shitty dick, fuckweed. Most <laughs> <laughs> 34 times. <laughs> the most disgusting thing. I hate that you say this now. I'm so glad I moved. <laughs> but you're, like that, it does. You can't have sympathy through them because you, you compare your situation to that and you're like, look, I'm sure it, you're, for you that's hard. But. Talk to someone else. Like, pick a different yeah. audience because this I am not the one for you. Yes, exactly. I am dying here. Can you please actually um, go speak to your very present mother about that? And so this is as a Victorian in in um, in Brisbane. When you hear someone say, "Oh, oh lockdown, oh, or remote learning, oh, or anything," and complain about it at all, which to be honest, I haven't heard that much of. It makes me want to punch them in the shitty dick, dickweed. <laughs> Fuck weed. <laughs> I beg your pardon. You're welcome. 
So, yeah, so I haven't heard that, but do you know what has made me so enraged, Claire, and I'm, I'm happily saying it because I'm so far away from any New South Welshman, is Sydney's approach to this. And, I'm, oh. and I, know that, um, I know that some people uh, feel like Sydney's doing heaps about it, but they just, I really, they just didn't. Hey? You're just not, mate. It's like you just didn't. And, and what's even more fascinating is the stash between our premiers. So they've always hated each other, Gladys and Dan, and there was always little stabs, and they were so smug. The New South Wales people were like, we handled this. We fixed COVID. You Victorians, you stuffed everything up. Yeah. And now they've got it, and they're like, "Lol, you know what? What about our civil liberties? What about what about Christmas?" And they didn't lock down, and now we're in the shit again. And Gladys was like, she had a press conference the other day, and she was like, "I've just gotten a report that um, a couple of our cases are from two Victorians who came to Sydney with COVID." We're like, "Where the Lies. fuck do you think they got it from, mate?" <laughs> Dick but we weed. didn't have any left. Like we fixed it. We, we were cured. We cured we made COVID. Just Sixty-one days of no COVID, and then fucking New South Wales. Like you know what? If there was ever a calming of the deep rift between Sydney and Melbourne, it is back. Yeah, it is back, and we are here for it. Yeah, but I, I just like uh, if it was any other state, like Perth, if, uh, you know, Western Australia or. Uh, Tasmania or even like Northern Territory, if they did, if they fucked up really badly, you'd be like, "Oh, guys, that's you naughty, naughty thing that you would have." Oh, but yeah, so but it, but it's because it's Sydney. It's like, guys, you guys are, always act too cool for school all the time. And Melbourne, exactly. Melbourne, so we're just as bad. But for some oh, yeah, reason, we think we're we think we're pretty cool. We think. Oh we're my god, good. we've got black skivvies, but they've got tans, and um, like they're very different reasons to be cool. But I think we've got medical marijuana and right to die legislation. That's so sexy. And that's hot. <laughs> sexy oh. Melbourne. <laughs> no, trust our state to have the right to yeah, die. No, come like, here to die. Yeah, we're all ready. <laughs> we should change our, our license plates. <laughs> ready to die. <laughs> and we were this like twenty twenty. We definitely were. So that was it. Was quite a painful year. And everyone knows that. I don't have to delve into that. But so in Sydney, there was a woman from the Northern Beaches who was very well aware of the outbreak in the Northern Beaches, but she had a wedding on. And so the right thing to do was to cancel the wedding, but she had paid all this money. So what she did is she the wedding went ahead. All these beaches from people from the Northern Beaches went back to um, went to the CBD. Had a big wedding, no masks, no social distancing. And then, uh, obviously, they were caught because um, it was all over social media anyway. It was very easy to dob people like that in. And uh, anyone from the Northern Beaches who attended that wedding, including the bride, got a fine of an enormous $1,000. I was like, that's it. And, I mean, like, weddings are so expensive. It's so expensive to cancel them. You'd just cop the fine, wouldn't you? Exactly, you just cop it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I cancelled my marriage for <laughs> lockdown. Like, they're the least they could do is cancel their wedding. <laughs> it was, um, it's yeah, so... sacrifice for the community, fuckheads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's bullshit. So, like, I was very cranky. I've been... The news... In the news isn't always um, reliable. Trust me, Claire. There's some lies <laughs> they tell, but I have... Like, the, the, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, God... 
I really feel like Sydney's just could have done a little bit more. They could have done a little bit more and it's just like conservatives, right? You look at what's happening in the UK and the States. They just they put kind of economics for poor people and at what cost? Mm. At our cost, we did the right thing and now they've ruined Christmas. They literally no. ruined Christmas. Oh, I, I cannot I cannot poor believe Victorians. it. And they had um so I read that you had to you guys have to wear masks indoors at indoors. Know, Indoors. Yeah, it's I've been, cruel. I've been, I've been sleeping in it. I've been eating in it. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's just in it. exactly doing big poo in it. No, <laughs> just, just, just in public places. So back to look. Honestly, it doesn't feel that bad because it's just like it's. I remember when we had to wear it like everywhere. Like you had to take out the bins wearing masks. That was cool. Yeah. But at least now it's just it's familiar and it feels appropriate and everyone knows how to do it. It is it's so chill. Like I don't think anyone minds that much. It's just. It's just what we got to do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so and do. I mean, and okay. anti the restrictions are so not you, not you up in Brisbane. You should have focused. <laughs> um, uh, and the restrictions are pretty okay. I think it's like yeah. I don't. I haven't. I haven't even really looked closely at them because I'm an upstanding citizen. But I think it's like 15 people <laughs> in your house. So oh, okay, that's have, fine. It's heat. So my wedding can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's at least 13 more people than you know now. <laughs> you know. Hello. Who's felt that? <laughs> Frida so and Stevie idiot. can come over. <laughs> exactly. To my marriage, to my cats. Yeah. But we, we're in. We are in season two, and this is a big deal. And we're in 2021, which is a big deal, deal because we started this podcast in I think February 2020. So it has been almost a year. Oh my god. Oh my god. Huge. I've had and like I've had marriages that's lasted less than that. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Definitely engagements. And I really look, you know, like we make lots of fun, but like I, I had this surge of joy when we started recording this after a wee break. I'm like, it's it's really, we just, we fucking love it. We yeah. really love doing it. We love the little community we build of dickheads. And it's just, it's really, it's really lovely. And I'm really, really stoked that we're back, mate. Yeah. And do you know what? Being in Brisbane, people listen to it up here i was like i'm just chatting to people like oh you know meeting lucas's cousins and they're like oh hi and their friends like oh i listen to your podcast i'm like really like my mum doesn't even listen to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and she should want me to succeed it's it's it's, people listen to it up here it's actually really cool strange yeah it's really cool i just like it's strange it's really strange having having people that you haven't met come up and and, and I'm like, oh my god, you know all these intimate things about me. Yeah. Maybe I should be more restrained. Maybe I should be more <laughs> yes, restrained. Bro, when one you. of your views on this, it's like, no, God, the things I've. It's amazing. Okay. I'm still employed, mate. It, is, um, it, is, it, uh, it baffles. It baffles the mind. It baffles the best of us. <laughs> but today we are we are going to celebrate going into 2021 by breaking down our New Year's resolutions the past failures and whether we're doing this year uh, at, at all this year. Like, are we doing New Year's resolutions? The year that all things went to shit. Like, it was a huge year last year and this year, who knows if it's going to be any better. It who started knows? off pretty rough. It started <laughs> off rough, Claire. Like, I'm not... It did. You guys took your masks and your kissing. <laughs> um, today, we're going to investigate Hilaria Baldwin and the epic grift. Is she a Spaniard? Or a total shithead. <laughs> Finally, we're going to talk about dealing with older people's life advice. I'm sure you all gathered bunches of it at Christmas. How do you respond when it's really bloody wrong? So, Claire, do you have any New Year's resolutions? 
oh look mate in the past I've had you know you know me you know you know me <laughs> I can't I think we all know you by now. things I, I know exactly know you. <laughs> oh god um I've always made gigantic commitments and they've fallen apart very very quickly it's like the one thing where I'm like designed to fail but this year I've, I've decided to focus on kind of the behavioral things that I've shifted from last year that I really want to keep working on rather than like I'm gonna be a Olympic pilot <laughs> skier basically I'm going to be a dancer yes you know this vibe um and um so like the things I'm really proud of that I did last year were like a bit getting better at being more present and just like appreciating like the local environment and just like the creek down the road and like just being a little bit more present, a little bit less distracted. And I'm not great at it, but I'm getting better. Mm. And also at trying to, so I've got this new little thing when I get really, I, I get really fixated on like my perceptions of how other people feel about me. And so rather than just doing what I want or what I need, I, I think about what I want to want and need. And then I think about somebody else's reaction to that. And then, and, and so I'm, I'm constantly like putting other, what other people think. Can you give me about an me. example? Like, I know what you're talking about, but can you... But, I've got but, a gorgeous one, which happened very recently. So it was, I, went, I went and spent time with my boyfriend and his sister um, at Christmas up the coast, and um, my my two little girls came uh, for, for a day, and I got completely, like, I, I got it in my head that it was, like, I, that they were, like, we were in the way, and it was super inconvenient, and then I was like, oh, God, like... Um, and, and we were going to drive back to Melbourne together and I was like, oh my God, like that's going to be really horrible for him. He doesn't have kids. Like, oh my God, like it's, and he's like, mate, it's chill. Like, of course, just stay here and we'll drive back together. It's fine. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, no, 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 no. Cause I don't want to be an imposition. I don't want to be a pain. I don't want to be a nuisance. And so like this narrative in my head about what somebody else actually thought and what, and how I should behave to make it better, like completely over, overrode the actual reality of the situation because it's just how my brain works and um it ended up with like a very expensive second car hire and a torturous fucking journey home with my two children while, while I drove the whole time and probably a little bit unsafe as well so like um obviously I'm not getting like I'm trying really hard to get better at it but and, and you know there's lots of different examples of, of that behavior but what I'm trying to do every time I get caught up in my head about what somebody else is what is is one sort somebody else is wondering i have this little kind of um like mantra and it's like what do you think what do you feel and bring myself back to that and it's actually really helpful because i'm, I'm just trying to get stuck as i get stuck in those loops and i'm just trying to just actually what i think and what i feel is not only the only thing that i can be absolutely certain of it's the only thing that really should matter right yeah yeah, yeah, we get, so well, you get better at this as we get older, but it's not like overnight. And you do have to no. actively think about that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, why do I feel uncomfortable right now? And why do yeah. I, what am I so worried about? Because you're talking to me. Exactly. Because <laughs> Claire's on the phone. Exactly right. Oh, God, oh, God. But it's, it's, it's that. I was actually listening to how you feel. Like, it's like, why, yeah. do, why, am I so, why am I so uncomfortable about him being in the car with my kids this whole time? Oh, it's because he's going to think that my kids are particularly poorly behaved, but... Really, if you think about it logically, 
everyone's kids are shit in the car and he would exactly. know that. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, this, this is normal. It's and it's just what like people who care about each other do. Like, they help each other out. But I've, like, constantly, like, like, how do I make people like me and how do I stop or mitigate the bits where they won't like me? And that's mm. just, it's just not a rational or helpful way to think. And I'm going to gonna keep working on stopping it. So those are my resolutions. What are yours, Bronwyn? Uh, mine is just to not go mad. Um, oh, that's a cute. That's a cute one. It is cute. Well, it's just because I've got there'll be, and just to get through it, like I'll have yeah. a newborn eventually, I've got mm. this pregnancy ever fucking end, and um, that is hard. I remember that was really hard. Super and hard. Really yeah. tiring. I'm really dreading the sleepless nights. I'm really mm. dreading all of these things and trying to think about the good things. But uh, in all honesty, I'm quite terrified of the lack of sleep and the constant noise mm. that newborns mm. provide and um and i'm fully aware of how fragile a tired brain is um yeah, yeah. and so and I how, just, how it just like triggers your anxiety yeah like you get really anxious yeah yeah and i don't want to do that this year so i'm going to just um, there's no this it feels like a really really simple one but it's mm. a con- but it's going to take every day of being like all right what do i need today it's i need some help or I need to go for a really long walk or I need to you know ask someone to come and sit with me for a bit or you know yeah. this but it's so it's it's a, just like yours it's um it's an everyday thing it, and yeah. it feels really it feels really silly to be like I'm just not going to go mad this year but it's yeah. like that is like a that's a choice as uh, sometimes a lot of the times not but this one is like I'm really really hoping that this is a choice that I make every day it's like I'm going to do what is what my what I actually need today rather than the thing that's going to make me look like I'm nailing this which is what's really interesting about both of ours is it's they're both like so kind of linked to how we feel inside and how we kind of are honest with them outside right like I think you and I were both very similar in the newborn stage in different ways so we just wanted to show everyone that we were doing like we, that we were fine right yeah it's like like we're, like everything is fine we're doing really great like I'd like make sure my house was clean and like that I you know had makeup on you know when people came over just so I could look like I was okay and I wasn't I was fucking drowning mm. and but but there was this weird kind of preoccupation with presenting a best self and like it's and and I think it floods through our lives in very similar and different ways but it's like giving ourselves permission to actually say what we think and feel is something really important and transformative but we still haven't fucking figured out how to do that at 34 that is really interesting yeah oh yeah it's all it's a journey Claire it's a journey it's a journey we're on a journey and journey do what I love most about ours is that nothing it's neither of them about weight loss (laughs) Oh, thank God. And you know how you know how you do good. this? Like, over the years, you're like, you, you mask weight loss with something else. It's like, I'm just going to get fit. I'm just going to, yeah, like, treat exactly. my body as a temple. Yeah. And really, it just I'm just going to be a Pilates life. instructor. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going <laughs> to give up eating because it's bad for the brain. Like, you just... It's bad for the environment. <laughs> no. All of these, like facades where really it's just like I just want to look I just want to be less like chubby for a bit yeah and exactly and every and all of these marks you see I've been seeing on social media all of these uh, new year's resolutions about getting fit and um that like the eating clean and I'm like I know what you're doing I did that a million times yeah, that's so funny, that language, eating clean. Like, what were we eating before? Do <laughs> it. Stop, stop eating mud. Exactly. <laughs> stop eating clear's house. Damn it, I really miss dry lint. 
So what's oh, been happening shit. in the news, Claire? Tell me. It's, it's speaking oh, of mad. Mate, 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 mate. So we all have heard about Hilaria Borgman over the last couple of weeks, and you and I have just eaten it up like hot buttery noodles. Like filthy food. Hilaria? It was filthy, filthy food. <laughs> Hilaria Baldwin is married to Alec Baldwin, who is 26 years her senior. She's an influencer, just like us, and a yoga instructor, <laughs> Just, just like us. <laughs> she has five kids with Alec. And she came into the limelight late last year, 2020, by after posting a photo of herself in lingerie, holding her tiny newborn, the fifth one, looking oh like she'd stepped out of a bloody modeling shoot and the internet went bananas. Criticism, including that she was promoting an unreasonable idea of motherhood. And Amy Schumer, the absolute legend, clapped back, reposting the photo and captioning it, Jean and I wanted to wish everyone a happy holiday season. Enjoy it with whatever family members are talking to you this year before <laughs> deleting the post. And Amy Schumer, as we all know, like she's had a baby, I think it was a baby maybe a year old, and she did not bounce back. And she has really like, she has embraced the journey of slowly letting her body be whatever it is. And so I think that um, for her to come at it, uh, it has a certain angle to it. It's like, she yeah. she felt a sting when she saw um, when she saw Hilaria's post, which is great, and I'm pleased she did it. But she deleted it, and Hilaria jumped online to defend herself, and she said, "I wish I could do a Spanish accent, but I'm not racist." Okay, <laughs> she said, "We're getting into a place of body shaming. Sometimes we put down people's shapes. That's talk that mums don't look like this. Well, some mums do. This mum does." I'm included in this inclusivity. Body inclusivity means including everyone of all shapes and sizes. All right. In our pull apart of Hilaria, let's start here. Let's start. Okay. There. Yes. Let's start. Let's do it. Okay. My, my view on this. Uh, yes, inclusivity means including all people, but... Up until now, bodies have only been the ones that look like hers, particularly after you have children. The only permissible way to come out back into the world is with a really slim and trim body. And the other thing is, like, you don't just get to look like that for lols, right? She is so fucking wealthy. She's so privileged. She would have had chefs and people to help her exercise and people to help her take care of her children while she exercised and, like, all this stuff that is inaccessible to most people but that's hidden and so we look at that and just feel like a total piece of shit so no it's, it's not just straightforward as including everybody and that some mums look like this like you are you are at the apex of kind of what we crave as a community in a society right we put you at the apex you don't you do have a responsibility and you don't just get to be like hey look at my perfect body because most of us don't look like that and it's harmful what do you recommend totally oh well i've got roughly 34 points about this and i'm in 34 <laughs> minds about this no i've got so one thing like the one thing that i've thought about is good on her for um for being proud of her body and it's really that is wonderful and i don't like to be i don't like to be like oh you sh you can be proud of your body if you look like that but you can't be proud of your body if you look like yeah. that because it makes me feel bad and it's that it's that thing of like, well, it, you feeling bad, maybe it's not really her fault. It might be something else's fault. It might be the patriarchy. Yeah. It might. Why yeah. do we yeah. constantly blame women for this stuff? So them, Good I am cranky about that. But um, it's a huge, like you said, it's a huge privilege to win. Like, not only does she have all access to all of those things, she won the genetic lottery. Like you don't look she like did. that accidentally. She, I definitely don't. <laughs> 
hey, 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 hey. You just got to get some clean eating, Claire, and you look exactly like that. You have five kids. That's how you do Stop it. Stop drinking petrol. <laughs> yeah. But you, I think the people in the, in the like, the public eye have to consider how a post will make someone feel. But yeah. at the same time, um, when someone, you know, like Lena Dutton, she posts a photo of her and she's put on quite a lot of weight in the past few years and she looks amazing, but she'll post something and someone will say like, hey, I, that post makes me feel uncomfortable. And people will yeah. hit back and be like, well, that's on you. That's not on her. You shouldn't follow her. And it, she's celebrating this body shape. And so I feel... Like I said, I'm in 34 minds where I'm like, oh, good on her for being, like, she is, like, she does represent how some people look and why should she feel like she has to wear a tracksuit, tracksuit pants just, like, to be like, oh, I exist. Can you please treat me? Could mothers still like me? But I understand why um, it was insensitive for her to do that. And she didn't have to be in her, you know, skimpy lingerie at an angle that where she looked the trimmest. Like it's just, it's all, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think you're right that when you talk about accountability and responsibility and impact and most people looking at that post, particularly after you've had a baby, well, you know, as a, as a woman or a woman identifying person, one of the most vulnerable times of your life. And you look at that and you're like, far out. Like I have failed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. I have. Um, why did Why did my body not do that? And and exactly. then you think back to pregnancy, and it's like, is it because I ate two minute noodles nineteen times a day, and no, <laughs> thirty four times a day? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You needed to eat more. Thirty four perfectly usable hours in every day, Bron. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all full of two minute noodles, but it, it is. I could. I, I I hate I, I didn't follow I felt I'm trying to say I unfollowed heaps and heaps of people on social media years ago that made me feel bad about myself and my yeah. like my responsibility to myself was to recognise that they didn't make me feel good and I didn't like yeah. I didn't message them and be like hey can you stop doing that can you not post about this or can you take your page down or could you please put on five kilos so I can feel good about being five Mm. kilos heavier than you it's um and also like I think maybe she's trying to break down that like this is the thing that we're talking about when you become a mother you become like you're like your sexuality is kind of stripped from you and you become this like nurturing vessel that people kind of like you know sideways smile at you and look at your kid and um you you know you become to us to to an element or to to some degree invisible um by Mm. the opposite sex Mm. is because you're the mum lady now and you're the lady who's probably if a boob comes out it's definitely for a baby's face not for anything else and so what she's what she could have been doing is being like, well, just because I've had kids doesn't mean that I'm not sex anymore. I feel great. Mm. And we can't, it's really easy for us to not see that because we feel like we are never going to look like that. Like I, you're right. Yeah. And, and, and I think like it's, it's tricky, right? Like, I, I mean, you still, even if you are in the public life, actually is, it's still your platform to raise your own views. Right. Mm. I just think you have to be utilitarian about it and think about what is what what at what cost is is sharing your view i mean if you really want to share that like send it to a bunch of your mates and be like hey i feel really great like I, I feel really sexy look at my body after having a baby how good rather than sending it out to the world and you know thousands and thousands of vulnerable people i don't know i don't know i just i think i think she i think the world 
could have done without Hillary Baldwin posting it. But also... You said Hillary. Why did you say Hillary when her name's Hilaria, Claire? Oh, this is hilarious. (laughs) The whole thing. It's like me rebranding myself as Icelandic. Hello, my name is Bjork. Because I I talked about it once. Okay. What has our hilarious friend done? She has this fat track. So she's claimed to have been born in Spain and raised in a household with a Spanish family. Mm. And those claims are stated on her website and her IMBD page. Oh, my God. She was very adamant. Okay. So she (laughs) pretended she didn't know the word, uh, the English word for cucumber. (laughs) video went viral. And like, what do you you say? What is it in English? (laughs) How you say, how you say. Like, even Frida knows how to say that. Like, everyone knows that word. What she else? speaks interchangeably in a Spanish and American accent. Mm, that mm. is very cool, and I love yes. when people do that. I wish you did that more. And her wedding I mean, with Alec was Spanish-themed. It's such a strange theme for a wedding, right? Like, <laughs> I've, themed, I've themed my wedding sausage. <laughs> I know. My Bjork-themed so wedding, and there's 34 <laughs> guests allowed. <laughs> What else? Probably? Uh, she has um, all of her kids have Spanish names, and she's spoken proudly about raising them in a bilingual household. So, oh, what uh, are their names? I'm assuming their names are like Salma Hayek and Churros. Oh my I actually don't know their names. Oh my god! So I don't know many okay. Spanish people either. Oh, what else? Clearly. <laughs> so, in, so in April, she was on a podcast called Mum Truths, Mom Truths, mm. and she said that she moved here to the, to the States when she was 19 to go to New York University. And they asked her where she'd moved from, and she said, from my family lives in Spain. They live in Mallorca. Oh, what the fuck? That, you can't, there's no two ways about that. That is, that is a very clear statement. And it is very abundantly clear. Like, But the truth, Bronwyn, has a way of kicking us in the dick. Oh, on, yeah. On December 22nd, right in time for Christmas, a Twitter post went viral. Someone said, you have to admire Hilaria Baldwin's commitment to a decade-long grift where she impersonates a Spanish person. <laughs> the Twitterverse put its detective hat on and found a pretty bloody epic trail of weirdness. Oh, mate, what an excellent salty cherry on top of the 2020 shit Sunday. I've got to be honest, I've really I really enjoyed it. this. Oh, my God, it was <laughs> so, good. so good. It was like, so how is she going to get out of this? And so what the – what the it, like, anyone who has access to Google found out is that she was actually born in Massachusetts. Good. Which is the, not – The beautiful Spanish <laughs> country of Massachusetts. The Spanish Massachusetts. The Spanish Chutzes. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Ole. Her American parents went to American schools and she was as American as Roseanne eating a hot dog at a baseball match. <laughs> just oh, so God. American. And, um, however, over this American journey of American Americanness, her American brain decided that she was, in fact, born in Spain and she grew up in Spain and Very she good. was actually as Spanish as Penelope Cruz eating paella. In a bullfight. <laughs> oh, God. You know, Bren, sometimes because I go to Bunnings heaps, I take on the identity as a worm bum. <laughs> I've been there. I am it. Very like good. Toddler. Exactly. She's insane. I she am daycare. Just, this lady is very, very not Spanish, Claire. If she is Spanish, I am a pelican. <laughs> and if you're a pelican, could you please empty your beak bucket because I can't find my phone? <laughs> 
it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, uh, look, she didn't accept this expose very well. She didn't expose it quiet, <laughs> accept it quietly either. She wasn't like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You guys got me. <laughs> Silly me. Uh, she jumped in like full defense mode and she's blamed everybody else for assuming she is Spanish. What the hell is she doing? It just, you know what it reminds me? It reminds me of dating a guy in my early 20s and we went on a bunch of dates and we were hanging out loads and like texting each other and sleeping together and, 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 and then he was like, oh, we're not dating. It's your fault for assuming we were dating. <laughs> I'm your cousin, Claire. <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, God. oh, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably Claire's love life. <laughs> oh, pelican. Jesus Christ. Give me our phone back. We're dating. What do, we, what do we think about this, mate? Like, have you have you ever told a lie that you just oh. it got too big and you just couldn't get out of yeah. it? Yeah, many. Oh, no. uh, uh, there's probably definitely been a few, in, but the one that is my favourite is when I would have been in my early twenties, and there was a guy who I um, had known for a while, and I had a crush on him at some stage, and then um, I. I met up with him and it, it, it all was all like lovely and it, uh, it kind of molded into a date and we we're like oh this is nice mm. and then um, he I realized he was not quite quickly with very heated intimate like hashing and things I had realized with my detective skills that he probably wasn't very well endowed at all and I didn't think it was worth it. Oh, whoa, I know. Mate. This is way more information than they usually give. And I was like... Oh, my like, God, that is... Yeah. That's... I, see, I didn't know that detail. Yeah. I didn't realize. I didn't know why. Shit, And I was like, okay, I don't want to... I don't want to have to have, you know, 40 minutes of pretending I can feel something. And so I... Um, said to him, look, it's not you, it's me, I don't want to do this. And he was like, what do you mean? What's happened? And I was so trapped in his house and I was like, okay, the reason why I'm not going to sleep with you is because I'm not sleeping with anyone. And he was like, oh, okay, what do you mean, why? I was like, because I've discovered that I need to find myself and so I am actually celibate. And he was like, whoa. And he, You're a celebrant. Does that mean we can get married? And I can do it 34 times. And I was like, this is not, this is not. And I, he was a young guy in his early 20s as well. I was like, instantly he's going to be like, okay, this is no, there's no point in me talking to her again because what for? And honestly, that was probably my experience with most men at that stage was just like, if there's no sex and there's just no, no friendship. And so... That was fine. And I was like, yeah, great. He's just going to go away. And I went back to Melbourne. He was in a different city. And then one day when I was in Melbourne, he contacted me. He was like, surprise. I've just moved to Melbourne. I've transferred unis. I've got this share house down here. My family's helping me get all this, get all this furniture together. Um, I thought about your celibacy and I completely support it and I still would like to pursue a relationship with you um, regardless. So how romantic is this? And I was like, oh my God, 
I don't want to see you again. <laughs> that is really intense. Was he like, let's get married? Yeah, he was like, this be... is this is a big deal. And I was Jeez. like, it's not. There's nothing big going on anywhere. <laughs> it was horrific. And so did you tell him? Did you tell well, him the end? reason? No, I just had to say, look, I don't think that we are. It's, we're compatible. I'm still. I don't yeah. want a relationship. I'm marrying Justin Bieber. <laughs> He's saving myself. You know, I just wanted to keep going. Actually, oh. I'm giving up speaking and everything. It was just. It was. I, I remember exactly where we were and just having and just being having this moment of going. I've completely ruined this. This lie has got has completely backfired, and now this man is standing in front of me, and I have to ask him to move back to the other city and I was like oh god and he I wonder what his take is on that but that was definitely a lie that um I thought was going to be amazing but was so bad it blew up in your face what about you what have you lied (gasps) for someone oh god oh god yes I'm done oh I have told a couple of really lies in my time god I think all women have it's such a weird kind of men thing as well they always ask about dicks and each other's dicks and it's like it's my big it's really it is it's weird it's not like like we go around asking each other about each other's vaginas but also I acknowledge that it's like some awful kind of thing that the patriarchy also imposes on them they should always agonize about the size of their penis but that aside apart from many many dick lies um <laughs> i the one that is really because we thought we we talked about this about a week ago and i thought about it a lot the one that sticks out for me is one that i'm navigating right now so if anybody can please tell me how i get out of this <laughs> lie that i'm from spain no 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 <laughs> it's not that um so i so stevie my daughter has celiac disease and um it's been really like she's gone through periods of like being terrified of food and so a couple of years ago I started telling her that I could smell gluten in food and so before oh, she eats food oh god she hands it to me and asks me to smell it and I give it a really big sniff and I'm like no it's gluten free mate you're good <laughs> And sometimes she does it to other adults as well. She's done it to me countless times. I can't believe to smell all her food. What do you do? Do you smell like that? Like, you smell what it. Is it gonna, what is it going to do to her when she thinks, like, do I tell her? Do I say, mate, I think you're old enough now to understand that we can't actually smell gluten in food. I've just done that to make you feel better all this time. But now the lie has gotten so out of hand that I smell all of your meals. And but like, like some, at some point, someone's going to tell her and then she will feel like, it's not like Santa. It's not like, here's a beautiful myth that we gave you to be like, you know, feel like a better, like life has some magic in it. It's like, you have lied to me yeah. for a very long She's time. Like, That's about something it. really fucking about a disease that I have. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know what to do. Maybe like, how do I ask Kevin this? what to do? I should ask him what Kevin. to do. I mean, I could. I could lie and say that I've lost my sense of smell and hope she forgets uh, that it was a thing. Well, then she would talk about that. She'd be like, "My mum's got a disability," and she'll exactly. be like a whole thing at her school. Stevie's very vocal. She's <laughs> very vocal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you're gonna. I never thought about how you were gonna get out of that. I just was too busy smell, smelling Stevie's food. <laughs> I guess everybody would have this moment where they've done something or said something that's just spiraled out of control. And maybe Hillary is just like in too deep, but I just feel like A, this is very entertaining, and B, that like I just don't feel sorry for her because, yeah, yeah, like, no, I don't feel sorry. Look, I I think that there's there's lies that have come out about celebrities, you know, but usually it's about them being massive pieces of shit. Like, 
yeah, you know, like, yeah. a, like a sex pest or um, they've, you know, they've done something horrible to someone in their family or whatever. And you're like, oh, you're a horror and you liar and you deserve nothing and I hope you get booked no more jobs because of this. Yeah, definitely. This one was such a weird one. It's like, it I was so strange. am from Spain, actually, and I don't That's know exactly. what vegetables are. Okay. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. So strange. It is so, like, it's just, and how that, how on earth, like, do you pair back from that? Like, the only, the only thing she can do is, is is say that it's not real, right? Like what on well, earth? She, well, she well she said it's not do. real. She said uh, you've assumed I'm Spanish. I never said I was Spanish, but I don't know how it, she got through five kids. Like that's it, like even if you smash them out, that's at least five years of, oh, of being just, yeah. of being in the public eye and people being like I guess relatively interested in who you are. Surely there was someone from her high school that was like um, I sat next to her in RE and she was a bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And she must have known it would come out. Like, you know, she went to university and school with people. Like, do you think she lay awake at night and was like, oh, God, oh, God, any oh, God, oh, God, now. any minute? Exactly. <laughs> Sacre bleu. Oh, that's the- <laughs> <laughs> So European. Europe's Europe, Claire. Oh, get with it. Or do you think, who was, like, who was that lady who pretended that she was a black woman? Um, oh, um... Uh, like she, um, she, she for ages stupid, and she even taught Rachel Dolezal. So she was a she was a former college professor and an activist who was who was the president of an association called the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People. Amazing. And she's white, white as shit. So what but she was doing she... was like dyeing her, like tanning oh. her skin. She was getting a perm, like a really tight perm. And and she and she said that she 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 got she got busted for being white like and her being born to white white people <laughs> very 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 and she said she was white and now she says she identifies as black she's black identifying incredible yeah I, I identify as a pelican we're all pelicans come on exactly. it's just like it, it feels more about like that it feels like there's a little bit of mental illness here oh, definitely. there's a little bit of kind of not being quite well but also like Rachel Dolezal I kind of pronounced her last name probably 34 different times I'm amazing for saying <laughs> hilaria right <laughs> <laughs> um, like but like just like just like hilaria like this is like Rachel Dolezal has profited from it she's profited from it by status by connections by employment like you know hilaria baldwin if she was just another kind of hot celebrity wife would be you know just another hot celebrity wife but because she's a little bit exotic she's moved it well she said she was and moved into a space where she's like hey look at me i'm i'm you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, like exploit this I'm going to exploit this lie to, to fill a space where it's a small space, right? There's still only small spaces for people who aren't right. white people yeah. to, to be, you know, to be in the world. So she's taken up a space which, which should have been for someone else and she's profited from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. But also I think she was just trying to be more interesting. We've all had that moment. We've all had a moment yeah, where we're like, I, I wish know. I wasn't from Wagga. Oh, I wish I wasn't from Duffy. Oh, you know, yes. at least Duffy had bushfires. I mean, yeah, Spanish woman from Duffy. It's me. 
But you know what's wish they were a little bit more exciting and like I like, yeah, you know, to play the devil's advocate. Actually like if she was going into if she was going into the into Hollywood, she would have tried to have some kind of angle. Yeah. And exactly. I'm sure Alec Baldwin would have So she decided to take the spangle. <laughs> That's very good. So, Thank you so much. And, and so Alec, Alec might have said to her, I love that you're from Spain. It could have been as simple as that and she might have been like, exactly. fuck, I have to keep this going if I'm going to get him to marry me. Poor Hilaria. That's not, I don't, I don't feel sad for it. It's so funny. It's so good. I hope that we have many more cucumbers of this journey because it's just everything I needed at the end of last yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It was a great way to end it because it wasn't. Thank it you, wasn't hilarious. No, yeah, it wasn't. There was no crying. We didn't cry. And we just had to, we just had to be like, oh, God, she's, um, how's she going to get out of it? How? And she can't is the answer. <laughs> To blame everyone is the classic narcissist. It was your fault for me, not you misunderstood me. Oh, such a and Spanish everything thing is to fun. Do. Such a Spanish thing to classic. do. Classic. So Europe. Classic Spaniards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have chatted and chatted because we just love the sound of each other's voices. Um, it's been Christmas, mate, and that means many conversations, many iterations, many subjugations. We have been bombarded with the advice of older people. And in, I'm talking I'm talking like intergenerational rather than, you know, Bron, who's six months older than me. Um, we are talking about people who have lived and loved and are at a very different stage of their lives. And sometimes their guidance is just a bit shit. Bron, tell me about something that you've heard. Uh, well, it wasn't this year, but uh, I've had, yeah, our kids are not that young anymore. So Olive will be seven in about five weeks. So they've been around for a while. And as pregnant, when you're pregnant, you get advice all the time. And this even goes back to like when you're a teenager, you just get advice all the time from like your pissed auntie who's like, take it from me, marry a man with money. And then she like sculls her Chardonnay and leaves, gets in her car and drives away. And it's, so you get, mm. <laughs> why trash? So you get all of this, you get all of this advice forever. Like I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't getting advice, but it kind of hits you harder when you are an adult because you're still getting patronising advice from boomers and yeah. you are like, oh, my God, you really think that I haven't worked this out for myself yet or you're thinking, like, it, surely you recognise that times are different and that, you know, like, you know, universities now cost money or houses actually cost more than $20. They actually, certainly. Yeah. But, like, on, on that point, I just had a realisation. And sometimes when I engage with younger people, like, you know, I'm, I'm showing, you know, people who are teenagers, there are, bits, there are bits that I just have this longing to impart. Like, when I see young women, I'm like, don't just, like, it does not matter. Like, the boys, you'll date boys or women or whoever, you know, you will, you will obviously, if you choose to love and have sex, then it's great. But don't hang your identity and your future on them. That is a toxic way to live, and you will end up being incomplete yourself. But when you and were a teenager, I, if someone said that to you, some crazy old lady, exactly, wrangling <laughs> two kids, one screaming about some bloke called Kevin. Would you have actually listened to her? Smelling everything. <laughs> No, 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 I wouldn't. But wouldn't. I still feel like, yeah, like it's a, it's a weird compulsion. And now, now that I'm older, I kind of get it. I get why, like, why you'd want to impart that knowledge. But it's still really fucking annoying when you're subject to it. Yeah, like I, I, I would when I was a teacher, I would just watch teenagers' eyes glaze over. Like they'd walk in, 
and they'd stink of ciggies and I'd be like, oh, why do you actually smoke? And they'd be like, oh, not. And they're like, you're an idiot. Do you know how much money you're going to waste on that? And they're not listening to me at all. But I'm like, if I can't. And so I, I learned just, you just can't, you just can't give advice to them. No. You just have to be like, no. don't, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. No one younger wants to really hear your advice unless they ask for it. And, no, and it's rare that they, I mean, you will if you're desperate, but otherwise you just yeah. kind of want to figure out and, and like figure it out from people who are doing it at the same exactly. time that you relate to, right? Totally. Like it's a narrow, narrow field. My one has been one I've really snuggled, 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 snuggled with it. Oh, that's very <laughs> snuggled, essential. I've snuggled with, I've struggled with, um, uh, is, is all around marriage and divorce. Some older, um, relatives oh. have been very, very vocal about their disapproval of the fact that I'm separated. I've talked a lot about how sorry they feel for Wally. I've talked a lot about, you know, how I'm doing really badly and terrible things to my children and that I should get back together with him and be sorry and they could all go away. And the first few times I kind of, you know, I just, I just changed the subject or just kind of calmly said my point and then just like moved on and, and had that kind of internal narrative that they're older and that I should just respect their viewpoints there of a certain time and of a certain stage of my life. But it was really starting to affect me and like make me feel awful. And so I've drawn a, I've drawn a boundary. I'm just, I, I'm actually not really speaking to this person who I love very dearly, very much because I can't trust that she won't bombard me with that very unwanted advice and shame yeah and it's been yeah it's been a really interesting lesson actually because I've always been kind of of the viewpoint that you should just let kind of let people kind of voice their views and you know like just just you know when they're in the the older and when they're in your family and you know they won't be around for long and so on and so on but actually there is a point where it's okay to be like yes all those things are true but this hurts me and I don't want it in my life yeah and it's a really important realization a painful one but like when it comes to that type of advice it can be quite toxic totally uh, and it's really hard to get to that stage and I'm sure like I would Mm. absolutely hate to be in your shoes and have to hear someone that I really cared for telling me that that they feel sorry for my kids for something that Mm. I needed to do I'd be like oh Mm. you have absolutely no idea how much that hurts me for you to say that and how exactly how much I just need you to say hey I support you yeah I trust I trust the decision that you're making with your own life right now and just like normal people talk about me behind my back (laughs) yeah exactly exactly put it on Facebook I'm not on there who cares god What a hilarious about it. Do you speak Spanish? Yeah, it is. A, a, I think that's really tricky. But I, I mean, we, a, every adult this Christmas would have, if they spent time with any family, would have had to bite their tongue and listen mm. to, you know, their Uncle Gary tell them what they needed to do with their money or that they mm. should have chosen a uni degree that had more direction or that there was a guaranteed job at the end. Or, or that vaccines cause cancer yeah. and 5G is going to be taking over all of our brains. Like, there's madness such amongst this helpful, too. Such helpful advice. Or anything to do with uh, any of the, like, any career stuff. It's like how the world has changed yeah, so exactly. much. How are you giving me career advice, Gary? You've retired and you don't work anymore. It's And you were a wizard, Gary. <laughs> I don't have magical powers. Oh, my God. That ship has sailed. <laughs> 
told you 34 times, Gary, don't talk to me. But you have a really beautiful insight, Bron, about like a particularly older women yeah. and them giving parenting advice. Can you share it with I us? I will share it with you right now. There was, Thank you so, so much. What I, what, when, I had, when I first had Olive, I remember being like just basically walking nerve endings. I was so tired and so terrified that I was doing the wrong thing, but Olive never slept and so I was... It, my entire life was just keeping her alive and keeping um, her, trying to get her to not cry. That was it. My entire life, which is yes. a lot of a lot of people's experience with a newborn, was mine was not particularly unique. It just felt really hard, and I was very, 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 very tired and super mm. vulnerable. And I just remember, um, uh, you know, just walking around the streets in Melbourne, and often it would be older women who would stop me and tell me mm. like she's cold she's you need to take her home or she's and she you know she was like she wasn't like these are things that I definitely had checked because I was 100% obsessed with making her not cry yeah. so I checked yeah. everything and then I would have yeah women something that's like oh excuse me like one woman stopped me to tell me that she was crying I was like I I know that you crazy bitch. Like, I was like, it's just, like, oh, one lady stopped me, like, oh, she's in pain. I'm like, why? What do you mean? And then they're like, you've got to work out why she's in pain. And then they'd walk away. Or that was so just strangers, those, like, tiny little, like, punches in the guts from strangers would be yeah. like, oh, you don't know that I'm going to hold on to that all day. And, like, when I, wake, when I wake up at 2 in the morning to a screaming baby and I try to go back to sleep, I'm going to think about what you said. And I really don't need that right now. But the ones that were yeah. just even worse were from from people in your family who would say, oh, you so are doing this wrong or you shouldn't be co-sleeping or you shouldn't be doing that. It is so dangerous that you're doing this. And have you ever thought about waking her up at 6 a.m.? You should be waking her up at 6 a.m. Or you you keep her awake too long or she's overtired or she you try to get her to sleep too much. So this constant like advice that actually makes you feel even madder than you already do. Yeah, and even more lost and confused yeah. and just untethered. Yeah, and no one says it like, maybe you should try, everyone says it with such certainty that you're like, yeah, how do you know this? And I don't. And there's no help. Yeah. There's no help that comes with advice. The advice is not actually helping you. It's not like someone's like, hey, I'm going to come to your house for four hours and I'm going to hold the baby. You know, if she cries, I'll go for a walk and you can have a sleep. Yeah. And and then when you wake up, you're like, hey, like I've noticed this. Have you ever tried exactly. this? Exactly. It's always, it's, it's just advice without help and it's deeply unhelpful. So unhelpful. And like I've had family members tell me that their, their kids, their babies never cried. I'm like, they've never cried. And that's because they can't remember that almost 40 years ago, their babies definitely cried. But they look they back at it. They definitely cry. If your baby doesn't cry, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, what's well, the ambulance. It's a doll. <laughs> exactly. It's a dog. It's a dog, Sandra. You had a dog. It's a fur baby. Fucking idiot. Yeah. We, it, uh, and so I remember being like really... Um, Constantly terrified of seeing family members for them to say things like this. Not necessarily just my family. This is Lucas' family members. This is like close friends' family members. People who were supposed yeah. to be had my my. You know, they were trying to help, but their help was the exact opposite of help. And I yeah. used to be really angry about it. I used to be super super cranky because I was like, oh my god, can you please say to Lucas, can you please tell this person to not talk to me about this? Like I know. I've tried that, and I, I, it doesn't help that they keep patronizingly 
talking yeah. to me like that. I hate it. And so it took, now, uh, now I don't because it, I, when people give me advice, I kind of like nod and smile and be like, oh, that's great yeah. advice. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. It doesn't always like slide off the duck's back, but it usually does now. And the only reason is because I've worked out that all of these boomers that give me this advice is because the, the time that they have felt most important or the time where they have felt most mm. significant or useful or purposeful or there was a point in what they were doing is when they had a small baby and so yeah. what they and they survived it and now they've got these grown humans that they're really really proud they of. don't need them anymore but they don't need them anymore Claire and so yeah. what they what they are doing is they're searching for people to need them and so they're looking Aww. at you and seeing you struggle and they're seeing like a young person struggle with a baby that and they their brain tells them you've done this before and you did a great job and you were amazing and you made no mistakes and that's why you gave up your career and your life and some of your friendships and you and why you spent 30 years in a loveless marriage yeah, that's it. yeah well, that's right. there's so many sacrifices that you make for your kids and you have to feel like there's constant rewards for that and some when you can't find the rewards that feel, mm. it, feel, it feels it feels tiring and I, I think like right now when it, with our kids so young the rewards are like we see them every day you know when the kids like want something you know, they come and give us a cuddle in the morning or, you know, yeah. they need uh, help for something. Like, they can't figure out. You are their favourite yeah, person. favourite. And, like, picking beautiful. them up from school. Or, there's constant yeah, and their face so lights happy up. happy to see you. And, yeah, you're the number one person in the whole life. So this, like, this reward, this kind of, like, uh, payoff. We get it all the time. Like, it doesn't feel like it all, always. But, no. but we do get, we get it all the time. We get the love. And when you, these yeah. bo- like, boomers who have, their kids have grown up and they've shifted off. But still, these sacrifices were made, and it doesn't that doesn't change. The sacrifices didn't disappear. Like these, mm. there's still a, you know a generation of women and sometimes men of feeling like I really miss, I miss that, and I I want to feel yeah. like I did it for a reason. And maybe the reason is, uh, because uh, you know maybe that, that today it's telling someone what to do with their baby, and then I will feel like that that time in my life is still significant. It still yeah, matters. That, that I still matter. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's really devastating to put that lens on it, right? And it really, it really shines a light on, particularly with women, and particularly with women of those generations, like how, how anchored they felt to their identity as kind of mothers and wives and how when those things move on or fade that they lose their sense of selves and that's really hard. And I think it also puts a lovely kind of perspective on it when you when you feel it's less about your own failings and more about, you know, somebody else's just longing to matter again. Yeah. But I guess the, the I think the thing the other thing is like it's okay if you're being harmed by that advice to draw a boundary. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talked about how, how awful and hard it was when you had Olive and you were really anxious and she was really unsettled and you had to navigate that. Like, I think the, um, I think, I think it's, it's okay in those circumstances to articulate, like, you know, in a, in a, in a loving way, if, if, if you have space for it, just to be like, actually right now, this, this advice isn't really helpful. It's making me feel really yeah. bad. You know, I, I love you and I respect your opinion, but also I, I, I really need to figure this out of my own. And if I need to, if I want your advice, I'll ask for it. Like, it's okay to draw a boundary. And it's actually a really respectful thing to do when you trust somebody enough to draw a boundary. I just feel like, um, I, I feel like you need to give yourself permission to do that. Yeah, and it's not going to always. It's definitely not going to end well always when you do that. I remember you did that when to people in your life when you when Stevie was really little, 
you drew yeah. a boundary and that backfired and the person was really oh, offended other people were really offended enormously and you had to then not only navigate having a, a newborn uh, which is exhausting in itself but you had to try and mend this relationship that was kind of a bit damaged because you didn't take their take their advice yeah, and that's still just just mentioning that time makes my gut sink. Yeah. Like that was so like drawing a boundary was like a, a terrible. Like the consequences were absolutely terrible, and it just goes. I mean, it goes to like I'll never I'll never forget that. I'll probably never like in a way forgive it either because it was such a like a such probably the one of the hardest times of my life. And you know when people I really needed to to support me wholeheartedly rejected me yeah. but like that aside like it, I guess it, it is a helpful spin to think about it and they just need to be valued and important in that space not to say that it was right but it's it's and what they did was wrong yeah but like also that you know it's it, it's it's okay to to push back it's okay to say no yeah it's okay to draw boundaries it is, but it's really hard. It's healthy it is, and important. Yeah, but, but one thing, it's if, it's, so if anything is going to help, it's to remember that this advice, even though when someone says it comes from a good place and it's really hard to understand that, and I think it's really nice to, like you said, put a lens on where you go, okay, this was they're reminiscing about a time. This is about them, not me, and this is about yeah. their baby, not my baby. And so you just yeah. have to just smile and nod and sometimes say, please I'm- don't do that but other times be yeah. like we, like it's going to be so much easier to just recognize that um <laughs> you don't have to take it like you don't have to you yes. don't actually have to listen to it you can zone out think about what you're gonna have for dinner and then um i don't know go to spain <laughs> Go to Spain. Go join Hilaria. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been oh, quite a long episode, but it every- has. But we've missed it. We've missed yeah. each other. We've missed the community. We've missed talking shit about shit. And it's so lovely to be back for season two of the perfectly sensible cut-up seasons of our podcast, which make perfect sense. Exactly. It's just education, education, education. You know us. Exactly. Non-stop. <laughs> just here for the people. <laughs> But it was, it, it was so nice to speak to you, Claire. I do love you. Gorgeous to be back. I love you too, mate. All right. All right. We've been good, Sheila. Bye. See you later. Bye.